Hey, Jay. What up, Jay? What's up, Jay? Hey. I'm excited for uh, Luigi to join. It's going to be a good, good one. Can we just talk about how awesome that name is, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. He, he joined the team like three months ago, um, a huge part of the Avalanche Rush program, huge part of other things you guys probably have seen, uh, and, and just knows a ton about DeFi and, and everything uh, kind of on that, that side of the world. Let's go. I'm uh, I'm excited for some uh, some alpha to be dropped around this because <laughs> like the ecosystem I feel like is like just exploding and um, I've been playing around with it a little bit but I feel like there's definitely some probably some hidden gems that yeah I'm not even aware of yeah so. exactly I think we can I mean Luigi and I try and trade alpha for what it's worth and you know in the DMs and stuff but I think there's also interesting. I, I guess you guys were talking about um, the Abax punks and things. And I, I personally am interested to see how the clones do. Because if we're still in this hype cycle, the clones still have upside. I think it's a little bit too risky for me. Or I guess the cost base is not terribly high. But um, the stuff that I think interests me more is some of the new things that can't necessarily happen with really high gas fees. Um, and that's probably kind of like how Sablier, if you guys know that kind of like real time payments like that doesn't that can't exist on a high fee chain. Yeah, I'm actually um do you do you think the high gas fees are leading into this kind of like exponential rise in prices that we're seeing on Ethereum? Uh are you saying in, in exponential prices in in token appreciation? Well, no, just like on on the topic of NFTs, you had brought up like gas you know, like with Ethereum, oh, guess, making it like, like more basically a liquid, like even more liquid. Um, no, more kind of like there is a high level of speculation, right? And like these NFTs are appreciating very quickly. But I wonder how much of it is due to just the gas cost being so ridiculously high. Yeah, that does that make sense? Yeah, that does. That's interesting. I, I don't. I don't know if there's. I mean, there has to be some sort of contribution, but I mean, right now, I kid you not, in the last 30 minutes, I was trying to move some things on the ETH side. I think I paid like, I don't know, 500 to $1,000 in fees. Um, yeah, Rest pretty, in peace. Yeah, pretty embarrassing, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually upset that I mentioned this in public, but <laughs> then... Uh, <laughs> Yo, then, you could have got some AVAX punk for sure. Well, well then this is where I'm going to show a little bit, but... I crossed the bridge and and I think all was well, so I'm I'm back in the homeland. <laughs> Let's go, <laughs> man! Man, such a chat. He bridged. Yeah, that that yeah. No, trying try my best here. <laughs> yeah, I just oh, I see Luigi. I, I was I was buying funds on ETH as well and just paying like forty dollars in gas fees, and, and then you go on AVAX and pay twenty five cents, and it's just like it's hard to to want to not leave. Yeah, um, since we're sharing bridge story, and my mine is nowhere near as bad as like Jay's situation. Uh, this is maybe like a week or two ago. Whenever I wanted to play around with the ecosystem, I, uh, I, I honestly I made such a noob mistake. I didn't even think about it, but I bridged over some uh, USDC, and it was like right before the pools actually went live for USDC. And I was like, shit, <laughs> I can't even do anything with this USDC. So I had to send it back to Ethereum. Anyways, long story short, I ended up paying like. $80 on Ethereum, and then for the same money to transact on Avalanche, it was like $0.80. Cents. So, 
I took an L on that one, but we can we can bounce back. Oh, good. That. <laughs> you love any later? Hey guys. Oh my god. What, what up, up Luigi? Luigi? How's everybody doing? Good, good. Oh, wow, man. How are you? Nice to meet you all. Nice to meet you as well. You have a uh, an embarrassing e transaction story. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's, he's digging through his uh his storybook. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? What's that? What I missed? We I, I couldn't hear anything for a minute. Oh yeah, we were, we're all sharing the, embarrassing okay. ETH stories, ETH transaction stories. <laughs> I didn't know if you had a a recent embarrassing ETH transaction compared to uh Avalanche's transactions. Yeah, his 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 uh, signal's going in and out. One sec, we're trying to figure that out. Uh, okay, no worries. No worries. Give you a minute to troubleshoot. <laughs> Jay, where uh, where are you? Are you guys in office right now, or are y'all are y'all remote? Um. Yeah. I mean. We do have a we we do have a space, but we are more or less remote right now. Okay, and yeah. where where are you guys based out of again? Yeah, so we have um, an office in Williamsburg and in Miami, and um, I think the, the Williamsburg one is definitely more of the the quote unquote headquarters, traditionally speaking, in in New York City. Okay, nice. It's it's like a huge. I don't know if you guys know or people aren't dialed into, but pretty big hub for crypto and fintech honestly it, it really started with consensus or at least they kind of brought it on the map um they have a place in bushwick and then all of the uh kind of like smart contracts uh startups especially the eth ones are basically in brooklyn and then i think fintech also kind of followed suit there's a bunch of really cool um co-working spaces and a bunch of subsidies i think a lot of these uh, businesses and establishments got and so it incentivizes I guess cheaper rent, and then obviously incentivizes the startups to go go over. You said that was in New York. Yeah, it's in it's in straight over the East River in Brooklyn. It's it's okay. this very like hipster area called Williamsburg. Oh, okay. I actually looked it up because I wasn't sure which Williamsburg you're talking about. Not yeah, like, not, not. I was like, Virginia. that's a really weird place for like. <laughs> <No. crypto." laughs> okay. Do do you, how much do you think that has to do with kind of like. Like, I feel like New York is kind of a little bit ahead of the game and like reg like regulatory framework. You guys hear me? Like now? Wyoming, is that helping? Yeah. Any? Cool. Um, yeah. In terms of regulation, though, I mean, you guys know about the Bit License. That was kind of an interesting piece of regulation that came in. Um, a little bit prohibitive, I would say, but I guess that's kind of the the way it panned out early days, and then I think now doesn't really seem like a huge issue unless you're an exchange. So, and it, I mean, most of us, uh, I guess in, in the crypto space are pretty distributed and doesn't necessarily mean that if you're in New York, you have to operate just for New Yorkers, of course. Awesome. Luigi, we, we got you, uh, everything worked out now? <laughs> I guess Hurricane Ida is really messing his uh, his internet up. 
<laughs> I think he just doesn't want to tell us his story. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> well, it's like I'm, I'm just like DMing him, but we can. Yeah. Are you guys we'll... trying to talk to me? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Do you hear everybody? <laughs> I I hear you, Jay, but everybody else like starts talking and then just blanks out. It's just a random. But yeah, what story am I supposed to be telling? Sounds like trouble. Jay, I guess you're going to have to translate for us if uh, we cut up. <laughs> Wait, did, did uh, you not hear Luigi either? No, we can hear him. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Maybe you can't uh, hear us, though. Yeah, Luigi. No, I can uh, hear you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Luigi. Awesome. Have you had any recent embarrassing Ethereum transactions, like with high gas, that you want to share? Super really wants to know this answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I just your, your mic's, uh, mic works. All right, maybe <laughs> we're just gonna. Try. I All give right. up. I give hey, up. <laughs> Jay. Jay, I might be being punked here. <laughs> no. no, I'm being punked. I'm being punked. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I feel like we're like that Spider-Man meme where we're all pointing at each other. I think it might be the host. Is this because I have an Avax Punk instead of an ETH Punk? <laughs> I think that's what it is. All right, um, Jay, would you, would you mind translating? Just maybe ask him to like restart the Twitter app completely, close it out, and then maybe try reconnecting. We can see if that will uh, fix it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'm like pinging him. He I can hear him too, by the way. So um, if not, then I guess we gave an effort, and you're gonna have to talk to Luigi another time. <laughs> I see plenty of other uh, addicts that have li listening in. All right, I'm just coming back up here. All right, hello, Luigi. All right, can everybody hear me now? Yes, can you hear us? Can you hear me? Jay. Yeah. I hear you, Jay. Can you hear me? Too. Are you, yeah, wearing, I hear you, I hear are you using now. headphones? Yeah, I have AirPods. Maybe, I, I don't know. Actually, I, here, let me step down from a co-host. I hear you fine, something. though. Let me, let me, uh, here, Mewtwo, bring me back as a speaker. How, how about Mewtwo? All right. Let's Wait, go hello? ahead. Can you hear me, Luigi? I hear you now. Let's go. Wait, <laughs> try super, try super. <laughs> nah, I'm talking to a brick wall. Let's roll. Let's get it. Okay, cool. All right, let's do it. Okay, we're back. All right, uh, are we all good? Fiber. Wait, can you hear Chase? Say something, Chase. Yeah, hello. Yeah, I heard that. Okay. All right. I, I appreciate uh, everyone's uh, patience while we worked out these Twitter spaces technical difficulties. What What, what is a space without them? It's all part of the fun. 
Uh, well, Jay, we're really, really excited to have you uh, back on the base space, and uh, we're joined by Luigi as well. Welcome, guys. Thanks, yeah, guys. Thanks for having us. Um, you know, our audience, Jay, is familiar with you, not so much with Luigi. Uh, maybe starting with Jay, you mind just giving like a brief background of what you guys do at Avax? Yeah. So I think uh, the main overview, smart contracts platform, fastest in terms of transaction finality. That's the most important part. There's also, of course, other strengths, um, really low fees, very decentralized. We have about a thousand validator nodes um, all producing blocks. And uh, what else am I forgetting? I think that's kind of like the overview on the platform. And as you can imagine, those smart contracts enable a lot of different things, especially DeFi, but of course not only that, but including NFT marketplaces um, and any any other kind of implementation that requires smart contracts. So myself and Luigi, we both work very, very closely to make sure that people on this call, but also people who are very interested in leveraging this type of technology can use it um, or understand how to use it, I think, first and foremost, but also second is, is really just to understand what the points of opportunity are within our ecosystem. How can we improve, as, as you guys know, and, and kind of the jokes that we were having with some of the usability issues um, just in general within crypto, there's a lot to be improved. And I think um, one of the things that I really appreciate about this group is super grassroots, a lot of um, really good insights and, and questions. Um, I think there's clearly a lot of passion. Um, I don't know where people are based in uh, around the world, but if you're in the East Coast, dialing in pretty late, um, and I'm sure there are other people dialing in. And so I think this this type of format helps us really get really good focused discussion. And, and as we continue to update you guys, we can also really be honest, um, I think, collectively. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Luigi, you just want to briefly in introduce yourself to the to the crowd? Yeah, sure. So um, I, I work at Alva Labs. I've been there about four months, joined as uh, the role as the director of DeFi, focused on building out the DeFi ecosystem. Um, prior to that, uh, I had done a few things, worked at Citigroup for about seven years, trading uh, credit default swaps and other derivatives, and, uh, and got pretty involved in Ethereum in 2016. Um, and uh, was able to raise money for a DAP that I was building and uh, quickly realized that, you know, there was no infrastructure on Ethereum at the time and it was very difficult to actually build anything. <laughs> I remember the only thing actually being there that was somewhat useful was Shapeshift, um, which is funny to think about now. And so after that kind of just continued to grow out myself in the space and, and continue to go to conferences and, and meet with people and do a lot of things in DeFi and was able to join Ava Labs and, and, uh, you know, it's been fun. Uh, I think everybody can kind of see what I've been working on the last four months. And, uh, yeah, happy to uh, happy to talk a little bit more about it. Luigi, I'm actually just curious from, like, my own... Here, <laughs> like, here it comes. <laughs> curiosity. But, um, you know, this space moves extremely fast. Generally, like, what is, like, that onboarding process look like? Like, do you just kind of, like, hit the ground running and you're, you're you know in the trenches from the get-go? Yeah, that's like? a good question. Uh, that's a good question. Um, pretty much, right? Like, I think after my first week, I was, you know, working with the team, mapping out some of this program already. Um, I think I came in with, with already a lot of ideas and kind of ways to approach some of these things already. So that helped. Um, but yeah, it's, there's like not even a day to kind of, you know, get settled, <laughs> onboarded or any of that stuff. It's just you know, hit the ground running, 
meet as many people in the team as possible, try to feel out kind of what everybody's thoughts, visions are, and, and, and then kind of try to put together some, some strategy around what to do next. And, and I think we did that and we were able to move kind of quickly. That's awesome. And uh, Jay, I noticed that we do have uh, like some new listeners tuning in. Would you mind actually giving like a high level uh, view of your role? Yeah, sure. So uh, VP of marketing at Ava Labs. So was pretty much one of the earliest hires on the marketing side. And um, prior to to Ava Labs, um, the the way I started in the crypto space was starting my own marketing consultancy at at a big agency called Ogilvy, and that was um, in in 2015, 2016. So kind of in the beginning of the ICO run, where you saw a lot of large companies trying to experiment with blockchain, but you also had a lot of these startups that were raising a lot of funds um, very, very quickly. So they were able to take on a huge agency like Ogilvy. That the, this is one of the biggest agencies in the world. It's not necessarily a, a low cost to engage. So a lot of startups don't tend to, to engage these full-service shops. And what we realized is there was a huge opportunity to, to really help out, especially because the people that I worked with, the, the co-founders of this group, we were all super, super passionate. So a lot of people like the people in this room, honestly. And and from there, then realized, I think I just needed to take the plunge, went into a firm called Fluidity that was acquired by Consensus. And the main two things we were focused on was a decentralized exchange called AirSwap. That's actually now part of MetaMask swaps. Um, so you guys probably use it, I think, a fair amount. And then the other side was security tokens and security tokens super, super early. Um, what we did was very cool. However, I think there was a lot of things to be learned about um, kind of the market and, and where where the opportunities lie with the technology, especially as it relates to security tokens. I think the one thing uh, I'll close with in that thought was we did tokenize a few uh, real estate properties, mostly in, in New York City. And so it was very close. We had those deals in. And then the, the second step was, all right, let's tokenize the equity. So we did that as well. And I think there was also debt tokenization. And what you could do is you could actually purchase those tokens in, in a stablecoin. DAI, I think, was accepted in USDC. And again, as a reminder, this was in, I think this was in 2018 or 2019. So imagine that opportunity. Unfortunately, I don't think the TradFi or the traditional real, real estate uh, investors first of all, knew what any of that was, um, and, and second, really understood what the potential value propositions were. But I don't blame them, honestly. I think it was a little bit too early. But yeah, that's that's kind of my background. And then, and then again, my role is uh, on the marketing and, and community side as well. No, that's that's awesome. Thanks, thanks, Jay, for the for the background and letting people know what what you're all about and how you got into crypto. We're obviously all here to discuss. Avalanche Rush, the new the new incentive program that you guys have launched. Um, super curious, like what inspired like the creation of the incentive program, and how's it going so far? How are you guys feeling? Louis, you wanna wanna take that one? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the inspiration kind of came from from multiple places. You know, we looked around, uh, kind of surveyed the landscape, surveyed not only in crypto but even outside in traditional finance, and even and technology, you know, ways that we can kind of get users to, you know, essentially get to try our technology. You know, we were very cautious and careful about lining up the right primitives before um, we actually you know, launched the program or announced the program, right? So 
one important piece of that is Chainlink mainnet being live and, and, and that allowed a lending platform to go live, right? So that coupled with the new bridge um, is what we feel will, will kind of give us the advantage of having good UX and UI for people moving over and trying the chain. Um, you know, a lot of the feedback that I received since uh, the launch of Banky and since the announcement of Avalanche Rush has been really surrounding kind of the UI and UX of, of, of really using Avalanche uh, from the DeFi side. You know, you're able to kind of um, execute transactions with quick finality and not be sitting there wondering, you know, did my transaction go through? Are there any issues or anything like that? So that coupled with the bridge, which kind of gives you nice messaging while you're trying to bridge assets over, something that I think we all know uh, doesn't really exist on other chains, um, kind of gives people some comfort uh, with using the chain. So uh, first step was to kind of have these primitives in place. Second step was to, you know, bring users over to actually use the, um, to use the chain, use technology and make sure that they, you know, were kind of happy with it. And one of the ways to do that is to bring over some of the larger uh, applications that have a ton of users. Um, we're able to build relationships with, you know, dApps like Ave, Curve, Sushi, and, and, and some others. And with that, you know, their great communities can come over and join the Avalanche community and be able to, you know, integrate nicely. And, you know, with that said, one really important component of Avalanche Rush is that uh, there's going to be incentives for native applications. Uh, this is not just a user acquisition program, but it's also a developer acquisition program. So we do want to create uh, mindshare. We do want to create innovation on Avalanche. And, you know, it's kind of a two-sided um, issue to solve. There's the user issue, and then there's also uh, the developer and, uh, and innovation issue. So um, step one was to kind of get users. Step two um, will be sort of building out um, some of the native, more innovative things on the chain. Yeah, I can I can say like as a as a, a bridger myself, and actually kind of like a um, one of the early people that kind of crossed that bridge and has played around within the ecosystem. Um, Jay, I know you've already seen it. I tweet at you, but like I do want to say like you guys have done like a really great job. It was extremely smooth, um, and it was honestly like really enjoyable with how like fast the transactions were going. The user interface was like clean and crisp. Um, it wasn't really confusing or anything like that. So. Um, so far, so good. Just like as like a feedback from like a user perspective, um, I, I I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's great to hear, and that's kind of some of the feedback that I received in general. You know, and nothing's perfect, right? This is all experimental technology, and you know, this chain is not even one year old yet, um, which I think a lot of people forget sometimes. But uh, I, I do think that you know this was a nice little sample taste of 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 what Avalanche Rush is going to be. And, um, you know, I think we're, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's always like, a you know, you see that this product is in beta using your own <laughs> risk and you're like, damn, this is, uh, huh, maybe I should scale it back a little bit, you know, but, um, I guess I'm pretty sure, gonna ape, but yeah, I'm pretty sure our uh, analytics uh, dashboard says alpha on it. So, you know, we're pretty good at that too. Yeah. Um, uh, but speaking of the avalanche rush i know originally it was 180 million dollars but now i think i've seen some recent tweets where it's like 400 is that just the value of the avex um has grown to that size when you yeah, think the, like the current price of the token yeah the program's 10 million of ox so you know when we came out with the announcement 
funny enough, it was $18. So, um, you know, not that day, but when we actually like, you know, was actually working on the PR. So the original kind of thesis was to, um, you know, just go out with the dollar value uh, in terms of the announcement, but we've always allocated this 10 million a box, which is part of a, uh, the Avalanche Foundation allocated this as part of an airdrop um, fund or, or an airdrop allocation from the get-go. So that's what we're tapping into. Hey, Luigi. So um, I just kind of had a, a, not a personal question, but more like a DeFi question. And uh, so obviously the gas fees on Avalanche are, are lower than Ethereum. So Avalanche has a big potential to have DeFi summer. What do you think the likelihood of that is? Hmm. Uh, Hello. Yeah, I'm back. You're muted. Yeah, yeah, you're back. All right, cool. I lost you guys for a second. (laughs) Uh, You want to repeat that question? I'm I'm seeing a trend. Yeah, uh, maybe I just. Uh... <laughs> I, I should I guess it because I can probably guess it. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so Avalanche has lower gas fees than ETH. Uh, obviously, everyone has seen that, um, and that could play a big role on DeFi being on Avalanche. Do you think DeFi yeah, summer will be on? I'll let I'll let, I'll let Jay talk. <laughs> Sorry, the the second part. I can I can answer that one. Yeah, no, nah, I just just. Uh, I just want his opinion or even your opinion on um, the likelihood of DeFi summer being on Avalanche instead of Ethereum due to the gas. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the in- in- instead framing, I guess. But what I can definitely say is there the, a, lot of, a lot of the things that Luigi was highlighting in, in terms of kind of the steps of, of this program. That's what we're, we're banking on um, a little bit. And I think it just makes logical sense on the primitive side. Those things just need to be in place. I think the bridge um, is a fantastic, fantastic outcome. We had an early bridge, which was released in February. And it was kind of this, uh, it was this bridge that really was a kind of a short-term solution. It, it had smart contract calls multiple on, on the Ethereum side, but also the Avalanche side. And of course, if you have really congested times on the Ethereum side, then if you multiply, you know, the gas costs you have now by three, then it's quite expensive. So it just really was prohibitive and it didn't really make that much sense. So we took that feedback and really went back to the drawing board. And um, I saw uh, Learit, he was, he's a product guy. He was, he was on the, on the, um, in the audience earlier, but he, a bunch of the other product guys, engineers, um, actually it was a kind of a group effort. Luigi, myself, we were in it too, because we're heavy users of this stuff we all provided feedback. We were saying, how can we make this uh, kind of like delightful, I guess is a, is a good way to say it, or, or fun. Like what's, what's something that people care about? It's like, oh, well, Avalanche's main value proposition, as I mentioned before, is transaction finality and speed largely. And so speed is important, but it, it's like, it's one thing to have a transaction that's pending and you have that circle going around and then it goes, boom, it's been finalized, right? That's, that's one way to do it but maybe we wanted to take a step further and when we look at the ui you're seeing that that little dot that travels and talks about all the confirmations that it has to go through both on the ethereum side and the avalanche side and it almost feels gamified a little bit it's like you get a little bit anxious because you're like okay is this 
it's kind of like that comment you said about the beta, like a lot of the technology here is still very nascent. So that that's kind of probably like a tiny percentage point. But the other side is also just like, it's it's really awesome to, to visualize what you're doing. Um, and, and you also kind of learn how this technology works. Like, why do you need confirmations? Why does it take so long? What are the cost differentials side by side? So this is kind of an educational opportunity. So when it comes to DeFi Summer 2.0, I think a lot there's going to be um, so long as crypto stays long. I always kind of have to preface that, but I think that goes without saying. Um, so long as crypto stays long, then a lot of the new energy that's coming in because of the NFT boom, a ton of ton of celebrities are really cashing in on this moment. Um, for better or for worse, I don't know yet, but a lot of attention's there. It's not like the ICO boom where it was just like money in and and then all of a sudden it's super liquid so then you can kind of draw back down and it's it's a it's a goes really high and goes back down really quickly but instead you have these collectibles you have uh, people playing games with those collectibles i think that's a little bit different you had games for three four or five years but they were very very early and so then back to DeFi, you then have these primitives that actually can perform at the level uh, at of, of web 2 and that i think should unlock aha moments for a lot of people both people who have been in the space for a while, I think that's also important, of course, but also the new people. So I'm hope, we're hoping that if all of these things um, and, and these kind of internal, um, I guess external now, but internal hypotheses come true, then and I think everything should be very, very nice. And especially to one of the things that we've been saying to, to groups um, without really giving non-public information out is Avalanche Rush is, is just like one thing one thing out of many things that we've been working on. And unfortunately, with the nature of the space, we can't really talk about it in, with specificity. But you just have to understand, look at the look at the track record of each and every person on the team. There's a bunch of people tuning in now. It's there's no act. There's no kind of random like, oh, I, I was in traditional traditional finance and, and I jumped in to just get my feet wet. There are legitimate people that have been in the space as long as you possibly could have, or at least have been aware of the space for as long as you could possibly be aware of. And I think that's the upper hand. And ultimately, when you bring together those types of people, you have incredible passion. And I think passion is huge. The fact that uh, Luigi and I are in the East Coast, it's 9.30 p.m. Um, you know, we, we could definitely be doing other things, but we just want to be talking about this stuff because we don't actually get to do this that often during the day because we're, we're so heads down. So Long and the short, those are the that's the context. Short is super confident with what we're doing, and also the incredible ecosystem that's already started to form. That's going to get bigger, and and I think it's just going to be a domino effect. Yeah, that was a beautiful answer. Um, to touch on the point of passion, no, I totally agree. I think passion and uh, community has a big part to play in it, because uh, without a community, um, nobody's really spreading the message, right? So nobody really knows about how great avalanche is compared to other chains um so so thank you for that and um i have another question so it seems like avalanche is primed for more institutional adoption could you said i know you said you couldn't talk about a ton of stuff but uh could you shed light on that subject sorry you broke up on the second part what was what was the second part oh i was just asking if you could um touch on institutional adoption within the ecosystem oh yeah yeah so this is this is one thing with institutional adoption is we've been talking to a lot of different uh, types of institutions. So from big four accounting firms, 
to to central banks and and also even kind of government entities. I know that's not necessarily institutions, but I guess that could be categorized there. The thing that we've learned is a lot of people are interested, but that doesn't really mean much until it's live and usable. And so the time to market is just much longer than what we're used to, at least as crypto native crypto native people. Um, because if you can imagine, like you go you go out to a protocol and you say, "Hey, can you uh, can you quickly integrate us?" and you have like five engineers hop into into a war room and just basically sprint and and bust their ass uh, all night, and you pretty much have a deployment the next day, right? You're not having that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's this is a little bit uh, not not trying to I guess like kind of bag on the institutions necessarily, but you don't really have that with big ent- enterprises, probably because of size. Um, also because of just crypto and blockchain is just one subset of a million other things that they're focused on and it's not the way they're mainly generating revenue. And then I think the last thing is is just all of the red tape. A lot of these institutions have a ton of rules. On the marketing side, I know that there's a lot of branding rules, communications, how can you position things? Is there risk with uh, collaborating with a permissionless platform, for example? Um, is there a risk with going into DeFi? Um, those are answers that I think the council within these firms have to answer. So these conversations that I've mentioned with those categories, they have been ongoing since I even started um, in May 2020. Now, I think right now is really that critical moment where a lot of these things will start turning into to public-facing um, executions or, or public-facing initiatives where there's a handful of them, they've already completed everything. It's just a matter of, hey, how can we publicize this by pro- uh, following the proper protocol? So I, I would say that's where we're at. I don't want to necessarily mislead and say, you know, there's a huge, huge wave of, of these types of initiatives that are coming in, but there's definitely a, a decent amount that we've been talking to. And so I think we will focus in on that um, continuously as we have been so far um, and not not allowing it to slip through our fingertips. So we're keeping our eyes and ears open and, and just seeing how, the, uh, how these institutions really want to adopt this type of technology. And then also making sure that their uncertainties are answered so then they're comfortable with doing this when it comes to the game time decision. Hey, Jay. I'm actually um, curious, like you guys had touched on this a little bit. Um, are there any native Avalanche projects that are being involved with Avalanche Rush? Yeah, so Lu- Luigi was highlighting this earlier, and I think he's I th- having a No, I think I'm alive oh, now. Are you alive? alive. Okay. <laughs> this might be the worst app I've ever used. You want to uh, try and answer that? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think what I was just going to say is that, you know, as I was alluding to before, um, a very important part of this this whole uh, Avalanche Rush program is native applications. Um I think we put out an announcement for Avalanche and, and Yay Games. Um, there's going to be more that are going to come through uh, pretty soon on the, on the native side. But, you know, what I was kind of trying to, 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 to explain before is that, you know, bringing over the blue chips is a user acquisition part of the, uh, of the program. You know, incentivizing native dApps and innovation is the, you know, developer and innovation part of the program. So um, this is definitely, definitely part of natives for uh for natives as well that's awesome i i, I love to hear that um mm-hmm. I, i've been playing around with some of the native ones i'm actually like curious jay if i if i recall i think you described yourself as a DeFi degen last time you were on the space 
Um, I'm curious. I know, I know you're probably extremely busy with Avalanche Rush and all this stuff launching, but are there any particular um, projects that you guys have been playing around with that you guys have enjoyed within the ecosystem? Yeah, I think uh, so. Luigi and I, I think we're we're kind of equal. I think it's we're low key though. I, I would say, and <laughs> um, in, in that I, I think people don't expect it as much. Maybe with like my super clean headshot or something. I don't know. At least for me and Luigi's in front of a brick wall. So, but um, that I'm running through. <laughs> yeah, projects that we've played around with. Um, so, Trader Joe, I think that's that's a really good native project. Um, Pango, I, Pangolin is is an obvious one. I think that that kind of I think Pangolin gets a lot of credit because they they kicked off the the AMM kind of spree in in the Avalanche ecosystem. You kind of need price discovery to really have effective a de- effective DeFi ecosystem. They're pushing along and and they're completely community owned. So all their their staff, I, I think the team maybe is like around five five to ten people now. All are done through community votes and and through. Um, Kind of, I guess, like smart contracts, uh, effectively uh, as a high, from a high level, which uh, conceptually sounds really weird, but that's kind of how it works, and that that to me is cool. So I think they get a little bit of credit too. Um, lending, then Banky, Banky just launched. They are part of the Rush program with incentives. The JD, he's one of the co-founders, um, super driven guy. That dude has nonstop energy. A lot of respect for him. He's He's really just identified kind of the open um, opportunities for different dApps. And so I think right now we're still in this mode where it's like, let's just get the primitives down. So that's not necessarily terribly innovative, but I think the next phase should be interesting to see how that goes. Like Luigi and and I and, and a bunch of others have been pinging them left and right with a bunch of UI and UX changes and they, they switch it on in minutes. It, it's kind of an incredible amount of dedication. Um, other ones worth naming, Penguin Finance, um, really like that kind of holistic ecosystem auto compounder. Yield Yak is also another one. And then you're seeing kind of the really early ones that are just starting to deploy now. Some of the, the projects that have been kind of silent. And then once Rush came out, they're like, oh, I think this is our time to kind of peek our head up, heads out. So that's where I think we're, we're seeing NFTs start blooming. Um, Crypto Seals, that's one early NFT project. They just sold out their 10,000 um, unit allocation. There's also other NFTs, maybe Luigi, I think you have a, other projects that you've been playing around with where you have a similar list. Uh, I think a lot of the list is similar. I'm not sure if you mentioned Yield Yak in particular, but that's, that's, that's another good one. Um, I know there's uh, the Evox Apes that are launching tomorrow night. Um, you know, in, in terms of the NFT space, spoke to that project, was kind of interested in that, um, you know, to kind of see that go down. But yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more native projects. There's a lot more in the pipeline that haven't even deployed yet uh, that are going to deploy that, you know, have a labs we've kind of been, I don't want to say incubating, but working with closely uh, to kind of spearhead their, their launches and, and make sure that they're properly um, um, deployed and then kind of maybe even incentivized if it's appropriate. So um, I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of good uh, native applications and definitely a lot of uh, developer use, but we definitely want to make that sure that accelerates really fast. That's awesome. Um, I, I love both your answers and, and, uh, Binky's or Binky. <laughs> how, how do you, how is it pronounced again, Jay? I think it's Ben Shee, right? I, I don't know. I, I actually don't know. <laughs> well, honestly, that, that's what I'm JD told me. I, it's Ben uh, Shee. Well, he's well, well, it's the Shee token. But everybody calls it Banky. 
but the token is she. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I think it's that, that's an Asian. That's an Asian word, right? I wouldn't. Uh, I think so. I, I think it's Chinese, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So Ben Shi. Okay. Um, we should we should get a spaces with JD and make. Yeah, a maybe we should clarify that we're not <laughs> fudding his brand. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get that working on the back end after this. Um, no, but you know, Jay, you, you touched on a lot of these different uh, DeFi app, uh, D apps. Can you actually like break that down a little bit further and, and kind of explain the importance of having um, AMMs to have like lending, to have like pulling and staking, and like how um, Luigi, you feel free to hop in as well, but just like how each of these play like a crucial part and kind of like bootstrapping the ecosystem. And how they're all DeFi, but they're all different aspects of DeFi. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, right, it's uh, it's it's not really much different than um, you know traditional finance in certain in certain senses, right? You have your ability to exchange assets in traditional finance. You have your ability to borrow and lend those assets. Um, I don't think you're staking LP tokens, so to speak, but. Uh, you know there are uh, there are AMMs in traditional finance, and there are order books, and there are um, you know various different ways to do this. But what we have in DeFi is we have this way where you don't have to trust an intermediary, and that's kind of special, and it's kind of what probably brought a lot of these people in this Twitter spaces here to kind of discuss. But yeah, some of the permanent, the most important ones, right? The AMM lending platforms so people can access credit and and throw velocity through the system. That's really important. Um, uh, in addition to, to just those two, you also have these auto compounders um, that allow you to compound uh, your yield automatically. So you're not um, going in there and <laughs> harvesting and then redepositing uh, every few minutes. Um, and then, you know, there's just a lot of other things that I think we don't even know exist yet. And that's the important thing. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, like every year, there's something that, um, you know, none of us ever thought would exist. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what it's going to be next year. But if you told me this time uh, last, last year that all this would be happening in DeFi, I think all of us would kind of be like, wow. You know, I think this time last year was kind of right around the time when Uni and, and Sushi were having their little, uh, their little spat. So we've come a long way. Um, and it's really interesting to kind of see where we'll be from a year from now. Yeah, I think... Um... I think that really honestly kind of like speaks to this technology from like a philosophical standpoint and just how we can collaborate and create these very unique incentivized use cases to generate value for the community that's involved within it. Um, so I'm actually curious. So you, you talked about, you know, Vinci and the lending and stuff. I, I was being a little bit of a DJ myself and I was doing like the recursive uh, lending and I think right now it actually pay because of the reward incentivization program, you can borrow money and still come out net positive if I have this correctly. Um, but can you guys kind of talk about the chance of liquidation of with the lending and borrowing or if right now, if you're doing the same asset borrowing against collateralized assets, like how that works, if you can shed light on that. Yeah, and uh, NFA, right? No financial advice here from of my course. side. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, obviously the borrowing is subsidized. So um, that's part of kind of like the these liquidity mining programs. That's what they incentivize people to borrow the asset. And then there's a lot of things you can do, right? You can either take those assets 
um, whether they're volatile ones or stable coins, and then redeposit them to kind of earn yield on both sides. Or you can even take them and deploy them into different protocols. Like Trader Joe has, you know, decent farming APYs and Pangolin does as well on certain certain other ones. Or you can leverage them through Yield Yak. Um, I know when Curve deploys, you know, what I, you know, what a lot of people like to do is they like to deposit um, volatile assets and then borrow the stables and and pull those into Curve. I know that's a strategy that a lot of uh, um, yield aggregate yield aggregators and yield generating strategies like to deploy. So there's really a lot that you can do. Um, and I think this is something that liquidity mining allows. It allows people to try these products in different ways and kind of see what's, what's possible and also become not only um, early users of the platform, but also, um, you know, so what I've seen from a lot of users is they become uh, really uh, engrossed in the community as a whole as they, as they start to use these various dApps and, and the ones that they like the most. Yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. And thank you for kind of like spelling that out in a, in an easy way, because one of the questions I was going to ask was, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are hesitant when it comes to bridging, who just like, are kind of like scared in a sense to like take that first step. Um, but it's pretty cool because as a result of that, you can essentially be that early adopter and reap, the kind of like incentivized rewards where you could actually even get paid for borrowing money and like using the DeFi um, protocols and being kind of like the first one there. I'm actually, uh, I'm actually curious. Um, Bancor is an extremely popular um, D app with their single sided liquidity. Are there any native projects that are working on that within the avalanche ecosystem that you guys know of? Didn't uh, Luigi? Didn't Yield Yak have single-sided pools? Oh, they do. They they have a few single-sided uh, strategies, but I think it's a little different than uh, than Bancor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, um, I don't I don't know of anyone at the Bancor level yet, uh, at least. But that doesn't necessarily mean there isn't one. No, I don't think there is yet. Um, I think there. I know of a few that are that are working on it um, with the twist. So, so that you know, it could probably be done better, in my opinion. So, we'll see if if they're able to deploy in, in, in short in short order. But um, if not, you know, somebody somebody uh, bring over Bancor or fork it over. That I, I mean, hey, I would I would love that personally. <laughs> what do you, you what do you love it. about it? What do you love about it so much? Just a single, well, single-sided. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I hear that exposure to, um, you know, I, I don't want to steal my bags. Uh, <laughs> but I'm sure we can probably guess if you could just like go down my 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 thread. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I really enjoy having that like uh, single-sided exposure to where I don't have to worry about permanent loss. Yeah. Um, for those of, who are not aware, basically, um, when you're providing liquidity. Oftentimes, the trade-off is is that you have to have exposure to both sides of the pool, and so if you're a long-term holder of the underlying asset that you want to provide, you could, in theory, lose the value, but you would gain value in the other side of the pool. Um, that's like a very rough explanation. So, if you have a longer-term outlook on one of your investments, say like five to ten years, and like that's what you're looking at, and you want to keep adding that, um, that's where that impermanent loss is like really important to kind of like protect. If you're, if you're investing like that, um, 
sorry, I'm drawing a blank. You had you had said something, Luigi. I was going to ask you a follow up question. Um, you too. I saw you. Uh, I'm muting. You want to hop in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, se- it definitely seems like there's a lot of native projects being built on Avalanche. I was curious around. Uh, do you find like a lot of developers are actually coming to you guys directly to build on Avalanche, or how how are you guys actually attracting people to build within the ecosystem? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. No, Jay, one thing I was just going to say is, you know, on the BD team specifically, we're talking to projects all day. Like, I mean, I, I know, especially since Rush has been announced, um, you know, my calendar, my calendar is basically back to back every day with new projects that, that want to deploy. Um, but at the same time, I would say that there's a lot of things we can do to kind of improve uh, the developer ecosystem. And it's part of the part of the focus of getting users, right? Um, developers are usually attracted to places where there's users and that they have, they know there's a better propensity that their application is going to be used. Um, so, so we are seeing that a ton. Uh, there's a lot of cool projects, I think, coming through the pipeline and working on getting deployed. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's what I'd say. And I think the, the thing that I mentioned last time probably was we, we always saw some sort of interest, at least from the, Solidity developers, because we have the Ethereum virtual machine running on Avalanche, that was kind of like basically broke down the barriers a little bit. So if someone had a free weekend or or a few hours, they can kind of mess around and port over their app and, and use the test net and see how it runs. Um, looking in the in the audience a little bit, Andy from the Chainlink team. So shout out to Chainlink guys. I know this is a Chainlink uh, group too, so I guess I probably will just get infinite love, but. That those guys have been hosting a ton of incredible, incredible hackathons, always on point. Um, we're very close with the team, as you guys know, so we're uh, present on every single one of them so far, at least since we've launched on mainnet and moving as we continue to move along, especially with the Chainlink integration coming live and also on testnet, um, uh, I think a few months ago or a few quarters ago, then you're, you're seeing a lot of these new ideas actually being able to work. Um, Chainlink was a was a huge blocker the fact that it didn't exist rather it was a huge blocker um, and now that it's deployed i think it's enabled a lot of people to use use oracles and, and get price feeds um, in a reliable manner and think that's super important i think on the flip side we're also now hitting the ground running because we've got our footing uh, as a platform and and also kind of understanding of our core base so the solidity people i think that's important but then we're also seeing university hackathons um, being a really good avenue to capture new new promising um, talent. So sometimes it's on the undergraduate side, other times it's on the uh, kind of uh, post, post-grad side, a lot of PhDs. We have, we have um, very focused hackathons. So there's a, there's a team that we work with called OnCode Club. Those guys are incredible based out of the UK. So it started out as kind of like a Cambridge-focused um, hackathon slash accelerator we've continuously re-signed with them and we have a lot to come for the next year and then i think in parallel as luigi kind of alluded to this too we have a bunch of community driven or community focused hackathons i think uh DeFi global i think is one of the ones that we're doing um and then anytime there's a project specific hackathon we're keen on jumping in i think we'll also focus in on bringing it back home again to see what the appetite appetite looks like to actually host one we did one last year called money dance and we had incredible uh, participation i think it was definitely a little early because it was it was like uh we launched mainnet and we we in, immediately went into the hackathon and even then we still had 
um, pretty, pretty strong participation. So with the numbers, I think what I was pulling up actually, uh, let's see, uh, Discord is kind of our main def uh, sorry, developer hub for uh, just for kind of engagement and just cultivating that community. I believe we have around 15,000 members on Discord. It actually might be more. I'm having trouble navigating through this. But point is, is it's a very strong base. And so now it's just a matter of activating and see, see what we can come up with. And, and I think there's plenty more to come. As, as Also, I think the last thing I'll say is we're hiring. So if there's anyone you guys know from the developer side, events, um, mostly on marketing, just ping me and, and, and I'm happy to, happy to answer any questions and get you through the recruiting process because um, we're, we're really just scaling as fast as possible. I love that, man. I, I definitely checks a big box for me when uh, protocols are going out there and providing education and getting involved with students because uh, we really, really need that. Uh, there's a huge shortage, as you know, of Solidity developers. We need people, more people to become educated about crypto, to get involved in the space. So that's huge, man. Uh, big props on that. I'm actually, uh, Jay, you, you touched on something I want to expand on a little bit further, not to turn this into a, a chain link show. But, you know, I, I think there is like a lot of like um, benefit for everyone going around. And, you know, with DeFi, um, you know, Chainlink is a pillar of like providing that support to enable DeFi on, on you know, it, within these ecosystems. I'm actually curious, maybe Luigi, this is something maybe in your realm as on the BD side, but um, what are some of those use cases that we haven't even thought about that you guys maybe have thought about from like a philosophical standpoint that will be here in three to five years? Because, you know, like a lot of people, they think of like price fees when it comes to Chainlink, but it's really so much more than that. And it's bringing... Um, authenticated data on chain to enable a vast amount of use cases. So just from like a big picture industry insider, um, what are some use cases that you guys are excited about to see within the Avalanche ecosystem in the coming years? Is, is this specifically for Chainlink or just in general? Yeah, it could just it could just be in general, but it basically just Oracle um, powered essentially bringing that data within and having use cases in a trustless manner. Yeah. Um, so one thing, the the, the new uh, I forget I forget the acronym is CCIP or or whatever the uh, cross chain uh, announcement that they put out that's pretty fascinating to me and, and really powerful right because um, if you're able to have cross chain messaging across all chains then you can manage your assets you could be farming on uh, Avalanche and you know buying it or maybe using that farming as collateral on Ethereum and, and all these assets become interchangeable across chains. And so like the friction is almost zero. We've almost never seen that anywhere in the world in, fin in finance, there's usually some sort of friction. Um, so that's really cool to me, but longer term horizon, uh, you know, I still go back to the things that we thought were really cool in 2017, but like everybody kind of realized we're, we're harder than they thought they were. So like I still go back to um, decentralizing a lot of these, um, you know, marketplace technology companies that, um, you know, have literally garnered most of the S&P 500, like Facebook and Uber and Airbnb. You know, I still think decentralizing those is, um, is so ripe and, and such a great model. I know Stani in particular announced that, you know, they're going to try and put out some social graph or, or decentralized Twitter, as he was calling it. Um, those type of things to me have real legs and are more possible today than they were ever. Like if you think about it from a network perspective, 
you know, liquidity mining or any type of incentives with tokens, and even just the token in general, are completely uh, the perfect type of uh, way to uh, bootstrap and develop a network as fast as possible. You know, Facebook had didn't have any of these things and was able to do it. Um, Airbnb, they were out there making, I think it was cereal boxes in the beginning. But to have a token and have these different ways that you can bootstrap a network in Web3 is something that's really powerful and will be like the actual um, mainstream event for crypto and, and decentralization as a whole. At least that's my hope, prayers, and uh, and what I think longer term is is what makes the space more and more more interesting. Hundred percent. I see that uh, Andy from Chainlink has joined us. What's going on, Andy? Hey guys, how you doing? Andy, good to see What's you, up, dude. Hey, good, um, good. Good to see you, Andy. No, man. You know, I love Base Space, and uh, you guys know I, I love Avalanche, and had a great time talking to Connor uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast. And so I just saw you guys talking, wanted to come in, and um, I, I heard you guys talking about Benchy. I'm actually having them on an AMA on YouTube next week, next Thursday, the ninth. So. Uh, we can come find out their uh, pronunciation of their name and uh, <laughs> yeah. and all that. But yeah, I, you know, I love that platform as well, and I can't wait to meet that team. I actually don't know them, so I'm kind of excited to uh, to connect. So I just wanted to, you know, drop in and say hey. And um, you know, we got a bunch of great Chainlink advocates in here as well. I see Jen, and that's great. So uh, you know, much props to you guys at the Base Space Camp to uh, yeah, have Jay on and Jay and Luigi. Good to see you guys again, as always. Yeah, you too, man. Good to see you, man. Yeah, I'll catch you guys later. So come, come to my thing next Thursday. We'll meet uh, Benchy and hang out. DM, DM me those things. I'll, I'll try and tune in. All right, sounds good, man. Peace. All right. Thanks, Andy. Andy. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but Andy and I worked together back in back at the Avalabs days, at least when he was back. So early, early days. <laughs> oh, no way. It's, it's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. I think it was most of it like last summer. It, was, it feels like forever ago, actually. <laughs> um, I think I think this is a good time to switch gears a little bit. Um, NFTs. Let's talk NFTs for a little bit. Um, I, I, I think, as we're all aware, if you've been on crypto Twitter, um, NFTs are kind of like in the limelight right now. And I'm actually like really curious because. I feel like NFTs are culture and it's hard to replicate culture and to bring users over into the NFT ecosystem. Um, so I feel like this is like honestly perfect between the two of you guys with Jay, with you being marketing, Luigi, with you being business development. Um, what is kind of the game plan, uh, if you guys can share it on like approaching the NFT market and kind of like cultivating the growth within the Avalanche ecosystem? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's just parts that we can share. Um, you know, I know that we have uh, spent a great deal of effort and time on something, you know, some of the more, uh, let's call it enterprise type NFTs, right? So we, we've announced the tops, um, you know, digital digital uh, trading cards um, partnership with us, right? So tops is dropping uh, MLB baseball cards, um, those are actual NFTs that are uh, running on the Avalanche blockchain. You could buy packs just like when you were a kid and you're sitting in the at the aisle and, and begging your mom to buy you a pack of those top sets cards. Uh, you can buy that, um, you know, on Avalanche. At Alba Labs, we helped build that platform. Um, it was a really long effort. 
And it's actually a really cool uh, website, right? Because it integrates Web 2 and Web 3 nicely. You're able to use your credit card and, and buy these, and, and but still have the uh, the hash and, and the link to the actual transaction on the Avalanche blockchain. So that that's like an effort that was ongoing. There's going to be more to come with that partnership and other ones that coalesce around the same type of technology. And, you know, on the, you know, more crypto side of things, there's some stuff in the works there that we're, that we're thinking through. And, and I think we'll, we'll be communicating on in, in, in the future, but uh, Jay, I don't know what else you want to add. Yeah. I think with um, NFTs beyond that too, it's, it, it can horizontally scale. I think that's the important thing to highlight. So the, the biggest challenge was, actually to get the proof of concept, which was the tops marketplace up and running and making sure that the, the web two interaction works well, um, for, for the new users or web two like interaction rather. And then the on chain stuff also works as well. So I think it can, I think the next approach is there's going to be marketplaces that are more decentralized so that you have control over your keys and you can actually offload them into secondary marketplaces if you want. And I think that's obviously the promise that we're, or the kind of the, the, the goal that we're trying to achieve. Um, and, and you basically can just white label this experience to anyone that wants it, wants it. And that's within the kind of like tops like brand um, header, I guess. That's kind of where we're probably taking that. And then on the flip side, also really just uh, like kind of keeping our eyes and ears open for everything. These signals are running wild. There's the, you know, the fact that I, in conversation today, I was talking, I forgot who I was talking to. Um, actually, someone in the Chainlink community, he actually might be in here somewhere. But I was talking to someone through the DMs and I said, hey, like, I actually don't know how strongly I feel about this 10K NFT minting model. It's not to say that um, it's a bad idea, but I just personally think that there could be uh, it could be short-lived, I guess. How many times can you repeat that cycle? Who knows? I don't know. I could be wrong too. But in addition to that, then there's also different ways you can interact with NFTs, not just with an image, but also um, different ways to kind of model out, or I guess leverage the NFTs and and kind of uh, attach that to different types of things. So not just a JPEG, I guess, uh, colloquially speaking, but also real world things. And and seeing how people react to that. Let's say there's a piece of art um, in in a public space. How do you have that tied to then, or how does that tie to an NFT? And how can you then, um, I guess, uh, market that to people who are interested in, in capturing that interest? So I think it's it's kind of tough to say what exactly that looks like because we're, we're very much in, in kind of the internal brainstorms uh, part and, and just trying to be confident with the, the path that we're moving forward. But NFTs, as, as most of you guys probably know, has been around for a while. ERC-721s have been here since the CryptoKitties days. And I remember very fondly when it clogged the whole Ethereum network and that was what, uh, quote unquote, was going to kill Ethereum. Obviously did not. Um, and it actually was a learning opportunity. And Dapper Labs is doing incredibly well in the space. So it's one of those things where it's hard to say where it's going, but we are keeping our eyes and ears open. So I think that might be a good way to close at least my thought here is if there are any ideas um, at all with the, the, the group here, it doesn't really matter how out there it is, just let us know. And I think the conversation is what stimulates the ideas that are going to be the Axie infinities of the world today or the... Um, 
the kind of like the the crypto apes uh, or whatever crypto punks and the new apes and things like that. So I think that's what's going to get interesting, and it's going to be a very collaborative effort. I can I can guarantee you that. So super excited in general, uh, if you couldn't tell, and uh, looking forward to what happens with NFTs in the future. Jay, I'm I'm curious with Tops, did they approach you or did you guys approach them? If you could share. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's actually that clear, but I think the main thing I can highlight is is the way we were positioning the platform was what spoke to them the most. I think it was just easy to understand. Could have been because of the EVM um, strength, could have been also because of the team members that we have. Um, John Nehas, he's also another big name in, in our, on our team that you guys probably have heard of. He's on the BD team. He's just an incredible negotiator alongside Luigi and the rest, um, Lydia and, and whomever else on, on that team. And I think that really helped a lot, actually. It was just like, how do you, like Tops, think about what Tops is. Tops is a brand that has been selling uh, collectibles on uh, cardboard for the last hundred years or so. And, and so they are keen on learning and key on, keen on accelerating, but you need people who are on the ground to basically give kind of give it the BS check and be really honest. And I think that's what probably drove it beyond just the simplicity of, or I don't want to really simplify it, but kind of the simplicity of the narrative of Avalanche, I would say. No, it's, it's huge. And like, we've all, we've all been calling this out that this is where things are going. And for you guys to launch this on your, on your platform, man, is, is awesome. It's, it's massive. And I hope, other collectibles will follow follow suit and maybe you guys will become like the standard you know everyone all the uh traditional card companies will start coming to you yeah fingers crossed if you know any card card uh companies ceos let us know <laughs> good good bridging sirs yeah po- if uh pokemon's listening please please good do bridging. it <laughs> oh, good, good bridging uh, why is a pokemon um something that's kind of like that that i saw them in in here earlier was a uh, crypto companions and i actually bought a few of those and tested it out and it's it's super cool these <laughs> it's like you're stacking pokemon or companions on top of each other and you can actually win avax or their um their native token uh just for playing and i think that opens a huge opportunity for people that don't have a ton of money or don't know a ton about crypto in general to kind of get interested in crypto and and earn their way into it um so i'm super excited to see more nft games coming out like that uh, i think nfts are a huge trojan horse kind of into the ecosystem um but yeah so super excited to see them in here as well yeah one uh one thing i'm really interested to see is like the use case of dynamic nfts um i, I really think that it's it will be kind of this like blank canvas of creativity um in which like there will be use cases that will be created with like card games but like one of the examples, you know, that's like written in the articles is kind of you could have like a player card, say it's MLB, right? And say this player has been on fire and they've hit a home run like every single game for the last like seven games in a row. You could have that that player's card bring that data on chain and update their stats in real time. So like your player's card would be updated with their performance in real time. And I think once you provide like once you create like that type of atmosphere, you could then build um, competitive games so, so similar to like fantasy football right like imagine if you had your your full team of players and based off individually how they were doing with that season you could form a team 
and then you could use these like VRF functions to play other teams and kind of have this like competitive like sports league, but it's kind of like a card game sports league. So it's like stuff like that where um, I'm really interested to see where this all goes. I'm actually curious. I want to ask you guys. Um, there's one protocol that was integrated surprisingly, like extremely early in your guys' ecosystem. I was surprised to see them. So there, but Alliance Block um, on their roadmap, they have NFT bridging coming out. I think later this year. Um, I was just curious. Do you guys have any any context around NFT bridging? Um, cause I could see like, I know there's right now there's like liquidity vaults for NFTs and I feel like the first mover in that industry that can build like a great project providing liquidity with NFTs and people can bridge those over, I think could pull a massive amount of money. So I'm just curious from your guys' point of view around that. Yeah, I heard I, we've been working with that team fairly closely, at least, uh, probably like a month or two ago. And I knew that they were going to do that, but I actually didn't know. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to do it. I was thinking about that today too. Like, do you wrap an NFT and then does that kind of, I guess composability isn't a huge issue because it's non, uh, non-fungible, but I, I, I guess I was just trying to wrap my head around how that works. So I don't know. Actually, now that you mention it, Chase, like I think that's something that I'm just going to ping them now and be like, hey, could you have like explainers so I can learn about it? If, if I get stuff, I'll forward it to you guys. Yes, please, please do. I'd love to get more information around that. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, like with NFTs, I'm I'm just most excited about real estate on the blockchain and having real estate become tokenized for the everyday person to actually be able to participate. Uh, like we had Realty on, and the you know, being able to basically just throw in a hundred bucks and say, Hey, I own part of a real estate property and actually receive rent from that seems really, really enticing. Yeah. Not only real estate, but, uh, even land too. Just, just anything that, you know, you could put a deed on the blockchain and you can prove that it's yours and nobody say your deed burned, right? the physical deed burned well guess what now you have a tokenized asset on the blockchain that says that you own that so i agree that's super bullish and i I can't wait for that to come onto the blockchain as well yeah because like when we were talking to delphi uh they basically alluded to that uh nft gaming is basically being used as a testing ground for all the things that will happen in the real world So I think the virtual land, all that, all that type of uh, stuff that's happening, basically, is it's just a test until regulations and so forth move forward, and we can actually participate with real with real assets. Um, Jay and Luigi, switching gears slightly, I had a question. I was actually looking at your guys' roadmap, um, and I saw I think it was like in Q4 that you guys have uh, NTT and DID. Uh, expected to launch. Could you guys kind of dive into that? I, I wasn't exactly sure on what those acronyms meant. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, let me just pull that up, actually, because I f- remember what it was. Maybe I don't remember. If not, I'll ping it to you guys after. Okay, no worries. While you're doing that, actually, um, Luigi, I actually have a question for you uh, around business development. Could you kind of uh walk us through like what that process looks like in this ecosystem like um 
how you're bringing clients into Avalanche and kind of like selling the use case and why they should kind of use your your product or service. Uh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, a lot of leads get generated either organically or through, um, you know, investing partners that we know already. Uh, those come to us. We've got the projects. Um, we do due diligence on the projects and then we, you know, talk as, as a committee on the uh, BD team. But I think the sell is pretty simple. You know, Avalanche is much more than just a EVM compatible chain that's a little bit faster. It's got, uh, you know, it's actually decentralized and there's really just not many chains that, that can actually say that. And I know for a lot of us, that's kind of the reason we all got involved in this stuff initially. So um, I think, you know, from a technology perspective, it really does sell itself um, as, as a good chain to deploy on. And now after Avalanche Rush and, you know, kind of the experience that a lot of users are having, um, you know, I think they, that a lot of applications are very interested and keen on deploying uh, on Avalanche. So, um, you know, we're, the other thing in general is we have and we support a lot of projects that are native um, from front to back. So, you know, we'll help support them with, you know, understanding their tokenomics. We'll help them support with introducing to other uh, applications within the ecosystem or even uh, other investors. So we really are like kind of, you know, handholding these projects as much as we can or as much as they need um, in various ways. So uh, we're very, you know, we're, we're very focused on uh, front to back um, help all these applications. That's awesome. And I think um, one of, I was going back and I was rereading and Jay, I know we talked about this when you were on, uh, but it just kind of like restruck me of like how massive this solution is, at least in my eyes, I view it. But um, could you, Luigi, kind of dive in on the, the platform P chain um, and how people can create blockchains like subnets underneath Avalanche in of itself. So it kind of, if I understand it correctly, it can kind of make Avalanche um, the blockchain for blockchains in the future um, with future development. Is that, is that accurate? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so subnets is a feature that, you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't really know that Avalanche uh, possesses, but it's, it's really fascinating, you know, outside of sort of the DGEN and, and DeFi uh, community in particular, right? Because, uh, if you're a company or let's say you're, you know, uh, a consortium of banks and you want to, I don't know, compete with like the CME or a clearinghouse, you guys could actually deploy your own permission subnet whereby each bank is a validator, right? And this can be done on a, a public blockchain. And uh, the validators also have a requirement to validate the main chain. So there's like some shared um, incentives on both sides, but... Uh, subnets in general uh, also allow people to run their own uh, custom VMs, right? So it doesn't have to be the EVM. Uh, you can build your own, you can use uh, various other VMs. So the, the, the platform is completely customizable from that perspective. The other thing is like the validators on your own subnet can actually be customizable for various things like jurisdiction or, uh, or even KYC, right? If these are things that you guys, um, you know, require, whether it's regulatory or even um, just because of the nature of what you're doing, uh, that's something that could probably be done in a subnet. So you can even imagine like, you know, let's say Uber wanted to have its own subnet. That's something that could be completely possible 
they could have their own coin on that subnet. Um, and that subnet could be extremely fast, right? Because it's not the main chain and it's not, um, you know, it, it, it's allowing itself to order transactions completely on what's happening on that chain. And this is all dependent on what you need to be completely validated by uh, a public subset of validators rather than, you know, certain things just don't require the, the same amount of uh, decentralization and security as other things. So, uh, yeah, I think subnets, you'll be hearing a lot more about it uh, in the fall and, and the winter. And, and I think that's something that will catch a lot of people's attention. That's uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love that. And, you know, that programmability, I feel like is going to be massive. Um, having that like customizable option and just being able to kind of plug and play because one of the hard parts about establishing a blockchain in the first place is, is bootstrapping, right? And this would kind of eliminate the need for you as like a, a new entrant into the market of creating a blockchain. You can kind of leapfrog that step. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, hey, uh, Jay and Luigi, are you guys open to accepting questions from the audience? Yeah, I think we can do a few. Sure, yeah. If, if anyone from the audience has questions, just request now. We'll let you guys on one at a time and we can get those answered for you. I did receive like a DM around uh, Curve. Um, someone's wondering like how you guys are planning to kind of hype up the part partnership or, or amplify it. Um, in terms of hype up or amplify, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure uh, how much in particular that needs to be hyped up, frankly, for, you know, many people were kind of using DeFi. Um, but, you know, I think Jay will, will definitely agree that we will be out there on the marketing front uh, when it deploys, you know, very aggressively making sure that uh, everybody's aware that it's time to come, uh, you know, bridge over and, uh, and and use Curve on Avalanche. The yields will be juicy and, and, I, and I think they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I think the, the thing that I think people should tune into is all our all of the socials, all of our digital platforms. I think they're this. This is our biggest uh, kind of effort yet, at least in terms of all of the public-facing initiatives that we've done to date. So you're going to see a lot of different things that you haven't seen on the marketing front. I think that's very important. Things that aren't necessarily traditional to to crypto. Crypto, I think, marketing at least early stage projects tend to focus on the the core channels, which makes sense to me. And that's what I always advise the projects that I talk to to do that just because it's kind of, let's get the necessities out of the way. Twitter, Telegram, Discord, Reddit, all these channels that we are all um, familiar with. But then I think we're in a very fortunate enough space to, to actually get the attention of the mainstream some way or somehow without really giving away too much. But um, it, it goes beyond those platforms I named. So that's what's going to be interesting. The marketing team, we've been heads down for, for, I don't know, for a very, for a very long time and, and just trying to figure out what, how we can execute this with, um, the timelines that we have and, and kind of the, how fast the market moves. And once those are out, would honestly love to hear also feedback, just being like, Hey, this was a total hit or this was a total miss. Cause these things that we're going to implement on the marketing front 
are again very unique to the to or very common or maybe not common but done more prevalently in the traditional brand world but not so no not so commonly within the crypto brand world 100 percent uh spider cakes welcome to the based space how you doing brother good good man thanks appreciate it and also uh thanks to the uh avalanche team tonight as well i really appreciate you guys doing this stuff it's so cool to be able to connect with uh the developers and everyone involved with avalanche and uh i imagine you guys are putting in overtime hours here with the rate of development you have going on so super appreciative for uh what you guys are doing to to rapidly expand the avalanche net network as someone who owns it so um i have two questions here so the the first is around subnets you touched in on that a little bit and uh i think that's really exciting and a part that really uh differentiates uh avalanche from competitors but i was a little bit curious how that really compares to some of the other scaling solutions so you see like ethereum for example and uh layer two solutions and sharding solutions and i'm not really a technical guy but my understanding is there could be some challenges there like layer to uh layer communication or shard to shard communication and moving funds around i've already had that experience with trying to go from ethereum to um polygon for example high fees and then you know you're kind of stuck on that layer uh how are subnets different is that a competitive advantage how does that attract uh developers and how is that ultimately the best solution and so that's number one question number two would be uh and let's say just uh magically you were teleported into a room with every single decision maker and politician in the US and they ask you, hey, we see the uh, development here, we see the opportunity. What would you like to recommend for regulations for the blockchain slash cryptocurrency market? Uh, what would be your recommendations on that? Yeah, so I think the the first question personally not a uh, engineer but um have actually learned a lot about the kind of inner workings of subnets beyond the high level understanding in the last few months especially working close with engineers as we prepare to start going into that mode of evangelizing this as as hard as possible and being very specific instead of just saying hey this is um kind of like a a scalable solution with vm implementations and things like that so the thing that i would say that is important to note is avalanche is a layer one and this is all within the layer one kind of or in the kind of avalanche ecosystem rather and so you're not going to have these different asymmetric experiences like polygon as that kind of functions as a side chain to ethereum i think that's something important to note though i do want to be careful with what i say because the the, the actual specific architecture is being worked on as we speak but I think as we continue to, to progress and have more um, confidence with the design, that's when you'll see from our team, uh, I think both marketing and DD actually, and of course engineering, is, is more clarity for, especially for the non-technical folks. Because people like me, I could use that. Um, and I have the, 
the luxury of actually being able to talk to these guys day to day and, and, and they answer my stupid questions. So I think that's something that's really important for though the rest of the world who wants to understand or who, whoever's keen on understanding. So, well, that's kind of like me punting it a little bit. Let me promise you that when it gets there, um, I, I think it's on the roadmap. It should be sometime, uh, this year, I believe. And on the flip side with regulation, not a lawyer either. So that's kind of a key thing. But what I can say is there's something that I've noticed, especially with the infrastructure bill that, um, kind of made a bunch of noise a month ago or, or a few weeks ago. I can't remember when it was actually, but is, is I think regulators need to do a better job with understanding the technology. One of the things that I've noticed, not even talking about crypto, is watch any of the social media um, hearings, especially with uh, search executives. So Google specifically, Facebook with, with Mark Zuckerberg and his, his troop. Um, I think Twitter might have also been there too with Jack Dorsey. When they co- go up to Congress and talk to them about the technologies, something like search engines, social media, it's kind of crazy to see regulators really not understand how these businesses work. Um, and that's kind of probably why things got a little bit carried away um, with how basically you have the FANG companies and, and these dominant forces that are just larger than life at this point. And I don't actually think that's, I, I'm not trying to make it like a doom and gloom thing, but what I can circle it back to is saying, communication, understanding, empathy, all of these things are super, super key. And so when someone's talking about blockchain, when something, someone's talking about crypto, stable coins, all these things, don't brush them off as something that's speculative, scammy, um, used for malicious activities, because that's already been proven to be false, or at least not as true as a lot of these people are kind of hand-waving, uh, are hand-waving and saying is to be true. Like Chainalysis had came out with a study with Bitcoin transactions. We all know on-chain transactions, they're all viewable on a block block explorer. And at the end of the day, if you're moving a lot of money, you have to on-ramp and off, or off-ramp, sorry. So that point is, is, again, kind of like the critical point, which makes it really hard, actually, to do nefarious things. So coming full circle here is, um, I think we, it's also not one-sided. It's not just on the regulators to be like, hey, you need to, you need to take, uh, I don't know, Pomp's Bitcoin class. And that's obviously a joke. I don't actually don't know much about his course, but I think it's a little bit on our side too. So we as professionals, people that have been in the space also have steered the ship in various directions. We should be also talking with them, having actual neutral conversations, educating people and and sense and responding. And so I know on Avalanche's side or Avalabs, the team here is uh, with all of us included, we're trying to do the best that we can to make sure that we can fulfill that promise. So a few things, we have um, chain agnostic initiatives that we're involved in. We're also talking to regulators on a frequent basis. Um, a lot of people on our team are, are have just incredible, incredible credentials to be able to do that. Goon, Lee Schneider, um, all of us on this call, uh, I think we all have different advantages. And so that's kind of my 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 kind of answer with regulation, not necessarily specific one on what should be done. And I think if we're all able to work together, then we'll have a great outcome. And I think that's that's kind of how things work in in human history. I think. But if we don't work together, then that's when you have really crazy decisions made on both sides, and perhaps um, becomes a little bit too uh, too hectic and and not necessarily uh, achieves progress in in an effective way.
Yeah, gotcha. Thank you very much for the uh, answer here. And uh, I'll wrap up here with just one extra question. Um, obviously, uh, there's concerns around things like rug pulls and, and cryptocurrency and, and what's currently going on. And it makes it a little bit difficult to recommend that to friends and family when, especially as someone who's less educated, they're at risk of, of that kind of ripoff. And I was just curious, maybe some more of like an opinion question, but like, how do you see things like playing out where like that's not an, an issue that someone has to deal with, which is like the pop-up farm that's going to rip you off? And uh, your your general thoughts on how things become more shaped up as a legitimate cryptocurrency environment. Yeah, I actually talk about this a lot, um, comparing it to all the different technologies. Think about your phone, for example, think about email, um, think about all the kind of quote unquote primitives of technology that we, we kind of take for granted. Phones, I get 101 spam calls all the time. They, that's also kind of a nefarious space. Um, it's kind of like the Telegram scammers that ping you a million times or the Twitter bots that ping you or the Facebook bots. Same thing with email. You're going to get the, Niger the Nigerian prince um, narrative. And so I think with open technologies, you're just always going to get that. But do people get smarter? Yes. There are also plenty of people because technology, internet penetration hasn't um, reached 100%, not even close. Uh, mobile penetration also hasn't reached that either and all these different technologies. So I think there's just going to be simply ongoing battle with these types of technologies. And I think it's our collective effort to just educate, create rails that make sense. So maybe it's like taking the phone example, the telco companies have had anti-spam measures within their, within the protocol, I believe of, of the phone, um, kind of the phone protocols. I think they use VOIP these days. I'm actually not sure, but um, you see how it's, it's kind of like, it's never going to be zero. It's always just going to be, let's, strive to do better i think that's my take and and really just highlighting good from the bad and i think that's where we can start first so actually our ecosystem we have a thing called rug doc rug doc highlights um kind of the different various risks that are associated with the protocols i think that's a good step of course choice is better because you, you can't simply just rely on one entity so i think you're going to see a lot more of these types of projects pop up to help secure the ecosystems that um all of us are going to be using that's great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on, Spider Cakes. Appreciate you, man. Um, any other quick questions for Jay or Luigi? Just a uh, request. <clears throat> I don't have a question, but uh, Jay and Luigi, I just want to give you guys both a, a quick shout out and say thank you for taking the time out of your night and coming on the base space. I know you guys are super, super busy. Just you know, expanding the ecosystem. <clears throat> it, it's really helpful for you guys to come on and inform people about the ecosystem, and especially for me personally, as like a, a young learner in the space, it, it, it helps a lot just to even hear it, even if I don't understand all of it, um, you know, it, it just helps to hear it. Um, and it's, an, it's an extremely exciting time to be in the space. And I, I know Mewtwo and Chase and everybody listening really do appreciate y'all and uh, what you guys do. So thank you for coming on, and um, we definitely extend the invite in the future if you guys ever want to come back on. Let's do it. So then uh, Luigi could ignore <laughs> ignore all your questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny. Awesome, yeah. guys.
just uh just a plus one off that and build off that um for anyone listening as well like reach out like you know jay like jay was saying um this industry is growing there's a lot of quality help that's needed so like don't be shy to like reach out um whatever skill sets you may bring you you you'll be surprised like there's probably a spot for you somewhere um you know there's not very i don't know really of any other industries where um you can get this level of access to uh to people um and kind of like build connections in such an easy way so uh take the opportunity take the risk take the gamble and uh shoot your shot 100 percent. here here amazing guys yeah this is great this is hella based thanks for taking the time luigi and jay thanks guys you guys appreciate it appreciate it so jay and luigi as you guys know we do record them we did record the first one you guys are both okay with us putting it on youtube yeah sweet amazing (laughs) as luigi got dropped again (laughs) (laughs) on that note i think we're gonna wrap it up yeah everybody stay based thanks everyone appreciate it bye-bye you guys